Hello, welcome everybody. We're super excited to have you here for this session on deep learning on industrial IoT, uh, co-presented with our colleagues at NVIDIA. My name is Aaron. I'm the technical lead at AWS for deep learning on mobile, IoT, and edge devices. And I'm super excited to introduce Jesse Clayton, the head of product for intelligent systems at NVIDIA, who will be telling you a little bit more about their work on embedded platforms and putting artificial intelligence onto those platforms. Thanks, Arun. Welcome, everybody. Let me get the slides queued up here. All right, thanks for that introduction, Aaron. My name is Jesse Clayton. I'm the Senior Manager of Product for Intelligent Machines. And today we're going to be talking to you about deep learning for the industrial internet of things. And it's really three aspects. The first is to talk about this big trend of artificial intelligence and how it's impacting nearly every industry. The second is resources that NVIDIA provides to enable you to develop and train these deep neural networks specifically for IIoT applications. And then Aaron is going to talk about Amazon Greengrass and how to use that to deploy these industrial IoT AI accelerated solutions and manage those solutions. So let me get started by providing a little bit of context. There's really two big trends that are happening right now, and they're happening very quickly. The first is the end of Moore's Law and Denard scaling. We're no longer getting the year-over-year speed-ups that we've grown accustomed to from serial processor architectures. Said another way, CPUs are no longer keeping up with the demands of today's technology and research. GPUs, on the other hand, are continuing to scale. They're a parallel architecture. With each new generation, they get more processing cores. So let's contrast the two. CPUs have a small number of very high-performance cores that are great at executing serial tasks, like running your operating system, taking input from the user, running the serial portions of your workload. GPUs, on the other hand, have a very large number of simple cores. Now, each of these GPU cores by itself may not be very impressive, but when you put hundreds or thousands of them together on the same die, it enables you to address many of the more difficult problems in computing today. So today's researchers, scientists, and developers are turning to GPUs to solve problems in molecular biology, in climate simulation, in astrophysics, in intelligent machines. It turns out that many of the hard and interesting problems in computing are parallel in nature, and they need a general purpose parallelized architecture in order to run efficiently. So that's the first trend. The second trend is around modern artificial intelligence and specifically deep learning. Deep learning is a neural network-based approach to machine learning, and what distinguishes it from previous approaches is the ability to train on very large data sets. When you train on large data sets, you get better performance, better accuracy for tasks like image classification and natural language processing. And there are three things that have enabled this powerful new technique. The first is big data. So because of the existence of big data solutions, big data companies, means there's much more data available, much larger data sets available to train these neural networks. The second thing is new algorithms. Over the past 10 years, researchers have developed new algorithms that can train these neural networks much more efficiently. 
And the third thing is GPUs from NVIDIA. These new algorithms are parallel in nature. They require a general purpose parallelized architecture in order to run efficiently. And what this means, that in the past, what would have taken months or years to train a neural network using a CPU can now be done in a matter of hours or days, making deep learning a practical solution to many of the hard problems in computing. It's such a powerful technique, in fact, that in many cases, not only does it perform better than all previous approaches, in some cases, it performs better than humans. So perhaps it's not surprising the amount of investment that's going into artificial intelligence right now, the amount of research that is happening in AI, and the adoption of AI by startups and OEMs for their own operations and for their own product development. Now, because of its contribution of the GPU, NVIDIA is really at the heart of all the interesting work that's happening in deep learning today. NVIDIA builds solutions for our customers to solve problems with artificial intelligence for many different use cases and applications. So if your use case wants to be on a PC or in a workstation or an AWS in the cloud or you're building a self-driving car or an autonomous machine, NVIDIA has developed and deployed a solution to enable you to do that. Now this is possible because all of our products share the same architecture. They're all built on top of the GPU using a standard interface. CUDA is how you program the GPU. And what this means is that we can leverage our multi-billion dollar investment for every new generation of processor architecture into all of these different use cases. And what it means for you is that work that you do for one application or use case can easily be leveraged into other applications, use cases, and form factors. Now, just in the last couple of years, there have been some really amazing achievements in artificial intelligence running on GPUs. Researchers taught an AI to play the game of Go, a game that is so complex it has more possible boards than there are atoms in the known universe. And not only to play the game of Go, but to beat a reigning Go champion. Researchers have taught an AI to resolve images in ray tracing, a very computationally hard problem which can now be done interactively because of AI. To learn how to estimate and model facial expressions based only on text of, of speech. To estimate poses of people in space based only on images and video to learn how to paint in the styles of the masters, to learn how to caption images and photographs, so to understand not only what is in the image, but what's important in the image and how do those things relate to one another, to learn how to walk, a task that takes humans months to be able to develop, and to learn how to drive a car, work that, as you may know, NVIDIA is very involved in. So there are lots of applications, lots of use cases for which artificial intelligence is proving to be a viable and powerful solution. Now getting into the industrial IoT, why would industrial IoT require artificial intelligence? Well, industry exists to create efficiency. Isn't that right? The purpose of industry is to make things more efficient. And there are a lot of tasks in industry today that are still manual, labor-intensive, and inefficient. Artificial intelligence has the promise of being able to address many of these tasks and our customers are applying artificial intelligence to solve them. I'll give you some examples. In inspection, whether it's quality control inspection in a factory or out in the field, today inspection is only automated for a very small number of products because it financially, economically only makes sense 
to create that automation if you're going to build tens of millions of these things. Otherwise, the cost of setting up the automation is so expensive that it doesn't make sense to do it. So all these small run products don't get the benefits of automation. Artificial intelligence, because it tends to generalize very well, if you teach it how to do one type of inspection problem, one type of fault detection, it can generalize to other types of fault detection with the promise of bringing these efficiencies to many more products and applications. In predictive maintenance, it turns out that if you are able to predict when a system or a piece of equipment is going to fail and you can schedule the repair of that equipment, it's much more efficient. It's not as if you have to shut the manufacturing line down right in the middle of an operation, which is very disruptive and very expensive. Using anomaly detection, it turns out with deep learning that you can actually detect and estimate when systems are likely to fail. Scheduling that downtime, scheduling that maintenance, and keeping the whole operation running much more smoothly and efficient. In robotics, there are many opportunities for artificial intelligence. And robots span from manufacturing to logistics and fulfillment, even into medical and surgery. And today's robots are very good at very fixed function activities, picking up a widget from over here and moving it over here. They can't do more complex activities. They can't deal with dynamic situations because it's just too hard. It's too hard to program a robot to deal with these things. And so with artificial intelligence, there's a big opportunity to automate many more of the functions in industry that are not currently automatable. Let me give you one example of a customer that has actually leveraged some of this technology and solved a real problem. This comes from GE Research. This is predictive maintenance. What they've determined is that by using AI and anomaly detection to measure the data that are coming off of the sensors of these gas turbines, they can predict when those gas turbines are likely to fail. And in fact, using DL over handcrafted features, handcrafted features being very um, labor-intensive, expensive to create because an engineer has to sit down and decide what to tell a computer to look for. Using AI, they were able to uh, get 20% better accuracy, which they calculated translates into $160,000 per event detected or per failure averted. That's $6 million per plant per year, just for one failure mode. So you can imagine the opportunities from a financial perspective for leveraging AI to solve these types of predictive maintenance problems. Now our customers across all different applica applications are leveraging artificial intelligence. I just talked about the GE example. Blue River is using AI for lettuce weeding to reduce the amount of chemicals sprayed and increase crop yields. United Technologies, superhuman fault detection for aircraft motors. IFM develops UAVs that do inventory management in warehouses. Bosch, boiler, boiler prediction, that's hot water heater prediction, failure prediction, in consumer hot water heaters resulting in millions of dollars saved every year. United Technologies, again, prediction of remaining useful life of materials. Fanuc has a vision to automate the entire factory with artificial intelligence. JD.com, pick and place and fulfillment applications using AI. NVIDIA, PCB inspection. So again, quality control, quality inspection using artificial intelligence. And Hike Vision, robust enterprise security. So lots of applications of AI across different industries. How are these companies getting access to the level of performance and capabilities 
that you need for modern artificial intelligence. More importantly, how can you, the people in this room, get access to this level of capability? And that's why we built the V100. The NVIDIA V100, 5,120 CUDA cores, all on the same die. 640 new tensor cores optimized for deep learning training operations. 125 tensor teraflops. You can get access to V100 now in a P3 instance. This is in AWS. A P3 will give you access to eight V100s, 200 times the performance for deep learning training of a CPU-only instance. 200 times the performance mean you can, means you can iterate 200 more times before you deploy. How much better would your code be if you could iterate 200 more times than you're already doing before you're able to deploy? So this is how you get the level of performance that you need to deploy modern AI capabilities. So this is the hardware, but it's really the software that gives developers access to these capabilities. And so in the past, it's been challenging to get your training workload set up just the way that you want it. It takes time to do it. There's no standard process. That's why we built the NVIDIA GPU Cloud. GPU Cloud from NVIDIA is compatible with AWS. It's a GPU accelerated cloud platform optimized for deep learning. You just start up your, your instance. GPU Cloud is containerized in something that's called NVDocker. It's optimized across the entire stack. It's never been easier to manage and launch a deep learning training activity than it is now with NVIDIA GPU Cloud. OK, so everything that I've been talking about so far has to do with deep learning training, training neural networks. Now, it turns out that for many industrial IoT applications, what you care about or one thing you have to focus on is inference. And in many of these applications, the inference is not happening in the data center. It's happening at the network edge. And I'll explain why that would be in a minute. But let me first focus on inference. Inference, we believe, is the next big challenge in artificial intelligence. And what do I mean by that? Let me take a step back. For those of you who, who may not be familiar, deep learning has two components. So the first is training. This is where you're training a neural network with lots and lots of data. So let's say you want to train a neural network to detect cars. You show many, many images of cars, and you tell it these are cars. You're training it to detect motorcycles. Many, many images of motorcycles, and you tell it these are motorcycles. And through that process, it learns how to distinguish between the patterns that represent cars, motorcycles, and other objects of interest that you've trained for. This is very computationally intensive. You want to be running this if you have access to it in a P3 instance with lots of GPU horsepower. The result of training is a trained neural network, which you can then deploy for the second piece of deep learning, which is called inference. In inference, you're exposing the neural network to new data that it hasn't seen before, and it's drawing conclusions about that data or drawing inferences from that data. So you show it a new car it's never seen before, and it tells you that's a car. You show it it's a bicycle, it tells you that that's a bicycle. Now, why do we say that inference is the next big challenge in artificial intelligence? Well, it really comes down to two things. The research in deep learning is very much not standing still. Researchers are making these neural networks bigger and more complex because they're learning that the bigger and more complex, the deeper they are, um, the more accurate they can be for, for different workloads. Um, let me give you an example. For image classification, Inception V2, which came out in 2016, 350 times as computationally complex for inference 
as AlexNet, which was the state-of-the-art only three and a half years ago. So you really need an architecture that is scaling with the needs of the research. The second reason has to do with the actual complexity of the topology, the design of the networks themselves. New networks are being created every day. There's an entire taxonomy of different classes and types and flavors of neural networks, whether you're doing convolutional neural networks or recurrent neural networks or generative adversarial networks or networks for reinforcement learning. Researchers are continuing to develop new topologies, new designs for neural networks because they're finding that for different applications they provide better accuracy. So you can't, for instance, bake the capability to do inference into a custom ASIC for a specific type of network and expect that it's going to be flexible to handle the new types of networks that are being developed right now. So in addition to needing a very high performance parallel platform, you need a flexible platform, a general purpose platform that can adapt to the needs of the next generation of research that is happening right now. Now, I mentioned that in IoT, a lot of inference happens at the edge. And why might that be? There's four reasons, really. Um, it could be a question of bandwidth. Some of these applications are producing so much data that the internet can't handle the data, or it's not economically feasible to send the data back to the data center. So they need to have the AI inference happening at or near the network edge. The second reason is latency. Some of these robots are making millisecond level decisions and they can't wait for the signal to go back to the data center and come back because they already have missed the opportunity to make that decision. Privacy. For some organizations, data security is paramount, either to protect the privacy of individuals or to protect intellectual property. They don't want the data to leave their premises because then they lose control over it. So again, they want the computation at or near the network edge. And the fourth reason is availability. There are some places where robots and UAVs, for example, are ideally suited to work where the network infrastructure just isn't there. And so they have to have the computation happening at or near the device. Now the challenge has been, how do you get a platform that is general purpose, that has the level of performance that's needed to run these advanced neural networks into the size and power envelope that is typical of many of these edge devices? And up until recently, it wasn't possible. And that's why we build NVIDIA Jetson. The Jetson TX2 is a supercomputer for AI at the edge. It's a credit card size module. It has as much performance as two Intel Core i7 desktop processors for AI workloads, and it runs in under 10 watts. If you're running this on the Intels, it would take you in the hundreds of watts. It was really built specifically for deploying AI to edge applications. 256 CUDA cores over one teraflops of computing performance. Rather than me telling you more about Jetson, I'd like to show you what some of our customers are doing with it. seeing lots of resistance to Roundup. We're looking for other ways to combat the weeds and still have cost savings on top of everything. 
we saw an opportunity to take cameras, computers, and artificial intelligence to allow ag machines to see every plant in a field. We thought that we could give farmers the ultimate flexible tool to treat their field and manage their field in whatever way they wanted by having the knowledge of every plant and its situation and an ability to spray very precisely, whether it be herbicide only to the weeds or fertilizer or fungicide directly on each plant that needed it. Each field they go to has a different set of conditions and they need to be able to adjust and correctly set that machine's performance for the field. One knob could be the protection of the cotton plant and how big of a buffer, a safe zone that we provide the plant so that we apply selective materials or non-selective materials that we have the appropriate buffer. Another dial is how aggressive do you want to be at going after anything that looks like a weed. There's also some opportunities to inform the grower of how many weeds the system's seen, even what kinds of weeds exist in the field that they can start to tailor their herbicide programs towards those weeds. The cameras and computers on a seed spray machine are using deep learning algorithms that are similar to what's used in facial recognition. The first time we saw a pigweed, the machine didn't know what kind of plant it was, but we taught it by giving it tens of thousands of examples of that pigweed, and now it's an expert in pigweed. We save up to 90% of the amount of herbicide that you would spray if you were spraying the entire field. The weeds have become a little bit more of a pest than what they were originally. Uh, they become resistant to a lot of the herbicide that we've been using on them. With the rig, we have other options open to us. We can spray different chemicals that we were not able to spray before. We can take one man and put him on a tractor and we can do the work of eight to ten people. We're seeing no end to the use of this technology. Essentially, anything that may be cost prohibitive or more difficult to do when you're spraying on a broadcast basis, but much more grower beneficial if we're spraying on a very precise basis so that was Blue River Technology. They were recently acquired by John Deere. Um, they use artificial intelligence, as they just told you about, for applications. It's not just lettuce weeding. They also do, uh, excuse me, not just cotton weeding. They also do lettuce thinning. Um, and they're solving problems that have become impractical to solve any other way in farming because of the resistance that weeds have developed to a lot of the herbicides that are, um, that, are, that are available today. So lots of different companies leveraging Jetson for applications in the industrial IoT. I'm not going to go through each one of these here, but they all share two things in common. The first is that they've determined they need artificial intelligence to solve their problem, and the second is that they can't rely on a data center connection to solve that problem for whatever reason. And so they turn to Jetson for deploying advanced artificial intelligence to their edge use case. So I think we have a demo that we'd like to show you um, about how to leverage AWS and V100 and Jetson to train and deploy an AI use case um, right here. So Aaron, uh, excuse me, Matt. <laughs> All right. Chad is from NVIDIA. Um, he's an SA at NVIDIA on our deep learning team. Um, and he's going to show us how this process works. Great, thanks. So on this table up here, I have a Jetson TX2. Um, we'll wait for the video here to come up. Um, and so this is connected uh, right up into our AV system. And I'm just going to start a video right here. And what the Jetson is doing is it um, is taking in a video stream. This is can because we don't have the ability to show this live. But um, you can imagine a scenario where this might be useful. And uh, here we have the Jetson is running inference from four different neural networks simultaneously. So the first network does object detection. It's picking out the vehicles that it sees. And then that hands it off. And each of those vehicles is classified for vehicle type, vehicle color, and vehicle uh, manufacturer. 
And, and so what's, if, if you guys see what's going on in the demo here, so um, on the right side, these are all of the detections that it's finding, and they kind of scroll down as it's finding new detections. You can see that over here on, on this one as well. Now, so what's going on with, with this one right here? All the other ones look pretty good, but it looks like this ambulance is being picked up as a large vehicle. Yeah, so this is one of the things that uh, I want to show today is how we can address an issue like this. This neural network was initially trained to only recognize six classes. Um, and so that vehicle is not being picked up as an emergency vehicle because we didn't teach our neural network what an emergency vehicle is. So what I want to demonstrate now is a process called transfer learning. We're going to take this initial neural network that we've already trained, and we're going to really quickly retrain it to recognize a seventh class, and that seventh class will be um, an emergency vehicle. So right. if, if I can have you, Jesse, switch over now. Um, the Jetson uh, does a great job for inference, but if we're going to do training, where we want to do training is on uh, some really powerful machines. So I have my Amazon uh, AWS console up here. And Jesse, you mentioned earlier that we have uh, our Volta V100 instances in the cloud. And I'm going to use a P3 ADEX large, which is uh, one of our instances that has four Voltas on board. Um, on top of that, I'm going to be running uh, our NVIDIA Volta Deep Learning AMI. And the nice thing about this AMI is that uh, it's designed to work with uh, NVIDIA GPU Cloud. So any framework that you want to have access to, you just do uh, a Docker pull, and you can have it right on your instance ready to go. Um, the container that I'm using is something called Digits. This is uh, our open source graphical interface to work with specifically eight, uh, image data is where it really shines. And so what I have up here is I have some new data um, I've already uploaded this uh, to AWS. Um, it's already been uh, brought into digits. And what this allows us to do is show you the images. And these are the things that we're going to send into our neural network to retrain it. So there's seven classes here. Um, we have SUVs, trucks, um, sedans, coupes. But then we also have emergency vehicles. So the hope is, is that by retraining this network now to recognize a seventh class called emergency vehicles, um, that it will be able to start picking up those ambulances. Now, now you said you're going to do some retraining now. Isn't this going to take hours or days? Um, so the nice thing is we have 5,000 images here, which is quite a lot that we're going to send to our neural network. Um, but uh, it'll actually be really fast. So this is our previous job. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to clone it. Um, and I'm going to change my data set now to ambulance data. Um, the neural network is already loaded in. This is a Google net. Um, and then we're going to preload all of the weights with the weights that were previously used to train this network. So instead of starting from scratch, we're starting from a, uh, an expert network that already knows how to classify vehicles. Um, and then what we'll do is we select all four of our GPUs that we're going to train on. I'll give it a different name here so it's uh, something different. And then we'll hit Create. And this is going to run the framework we're using CAFE in this, in this case. And uh, just to show you what's going on here, we have all four of our GPUs are up and running. And it's off and going. Um, so we'll see how long this takes, but hopefully it won't be too long. And so you mentioned before, Matt, that the, on the Jetson, we were running a CAN demo. But in fact, it was classifying a, a pre-recorded video live right here on your desk. 
Exactly. So we could have substituted in any video stream, and the Jetson has capability to take in multiple streams. Um, and just for this demo case, we're using a canned video. So we're done. Um, so 34 seconds to retrain on uh, over 5,000 images. Uh, so Jesse, if I can have you switch cameras now back to the Jetson. So, so you just trained 5,000 images in 30 seconds. That's right. Um, so Digits has the ability to download the model. So what I have is, just to give you a, a little bit of a heads up, I have the Jetson connected to my laptop, and it's watching the downloads folder on my laptop. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit the download button on my laptop, and when the Jetson sees the new model, it's just essentially going to reboot, um, and it's going to bring up uh, the same video stream, but now with uh, running the new inference model. So it's downloading now. It takes uh, just a couple of seconds. The Jetson kicks all over. And you can see it comes back up. And hopefully, when it comes back up, we see emergency vehicles. Um, and so the nice thing about this is we're now able to classify on seven classes. Uh, the training was very fast. And where we really want to go with this, though, now is to be able to take the data. This is now happening out at the edge. And we want to bring the data back into the cloud. And so this is where uh, AWS IoT and Greengrass comes in handy. And so all this data that's being picked up on our Jetson, all this inference that's happening, we can stream back all that information to AWS IoT. So Jesse, if you could switch back to my laptop just one more time. I want to show my AWS IoT console. And what I, essentially what I've set it up to do is to pick up all the information out the logs that are coming off the Jetson and automatically stream that up to AWS IoT. And now we have the opportunity to uh, do whatever further processing we want on it or work with any of Amazon's other services. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Um, this is actually a great segue into really how you can use the AWS service suite with a system like this to complete that life cycle. Um, as you can see, uh, which one is the... I'll change it in just a second after you're done talking about it. All right, yeah, so as you can see here, uh, essentially in real time, it sets up a secure MQTT channel back up to the cloud from the device, and you can get that real-time inference data off of the Jetson, uh, streamed straight into your cloud, and you can actually operate off of this data by setting up rules, by streaming it into your uh, data warehouses up in the cloud. And on top of all of that, uh, you can actually complete this entire life cycle where you're taking data that's being classified and captured at the edge, ingest it into your cloud over these secure channels that a service like AWS IoT and Greengrass on top of it sets up, and actually use that data to then retrain your model, right? That fine-tuning process can happen continually. And as you collect data at the edge, with the power of the data warehouses in AWS and the power of the training infrastructure that we bring in to... Uh, to the AWS service suite via the NVIDIA hardware that sits behind it, we can really have this continual training loop where your systems get smarter and smarter and smarter as they collect more data. So the two services here that are key to making this all operate and really completing this cycle of ingestion, training on NVIDIA GPUs in the cloud, deployment down to NVIDIA hardware at the edge for inference, are AWS IoT and AWS Greengrass. And what's exciting about these two services, and especially with Greengrass, is that, as you heard yesterday, we announced edge inference with Greengrass. So what that means is that you can actually have a fully managed way of managing both the logic and the models that you push down to the edge, and managing the data that's coming back up 
over that secure channel that it sets up. So as an example of where edge inference and AWS IoT can really help in managing your deployments at the edge, here's a, essentially a brief uh, example of where you can wire things up uh, to essentially create this uh, example system kind of that we've seen here. So as you saw, the Jetson is capable of taking in video streams. It can actually take in multiple video streams. And that hub and spoke model at the edge is something that Greengrass can manage for you securely. You put uh, a Greengrass core on your Jetson and it can actually communicate and securely ingest data from cameras on the local network. Even if the cloud goes away, Jet the Jetson with Greengrass will still be running. It doesn't need the cloud to operate. Um, and on top of that, it can also communicate back to things like your Snowball Edge and help you warehouse data if you want to do that sort of route of ingesting to the cloud instead of constantly streaming data up from the Jetson. Now, if you do want to constantly have a connection from the Jetson up to the cloud, you can constantly be streaming tagged pictures and videos up via either Greengrass or the newly announced Kinesis for video service. And via Greengrass's uh, inference feature, you can actually push models down to the Jetson. So that entire loop is managed all through Greengrass now. And once your data is actually in the AWS cloud, you can escalate it to services like Amazon Recognition, which has a lot of pre-trained models that you can leverage to actually get a lot more insight on the cheap for uh, your data without actually having to go in, warehouse a whole bunch of new data, start a whole bunch of new training jobs, and build these models from scratch. Um, but if you do want to go that route, as Jesse showed, we have the P3 instances, which will allow you to blazingly fast retrain uh, or train from scratch on the data that you're warehousing. So if we want to double click on really what AWS Greengrass brings to the table in this sort of system, uh, essentially it's a great way of wiring up all your sensors at the edge. And because the channel that it sets up is MQTT and can operate over a local network without connection back to the cloud, it's completely robust to network failures. So you can generate and receive a lot of data about your environment and then centralize it in hubs like the Jetson. On top of that, with the new Greengrass inference feature, you can actually drive real-time inference from Lambda functions. So you write Lambda functions up in the cloud that define how you want to actually manage the data that's coming into the Jetson and feed it into that inference engine that's sitting on the Jetson, powered by that NVIDIA GPU. And with that Lambda function, you have easy management of kind of all of the logic that you have down at the edge. So it's a really nice serverless way of managing what uh, your devices down at the edge are doing. And then there's action. Again, latency is a big concern, and that's a large reason that people are moving compute cycles, running these workloads down to the edge. And with Greengrass, you can take smart actions in real time. Again, it sits on these lightweight MQTT protocols, which means it's fast and reliable. And that allows you to really operate in near real time with the inferences coming off of the device. So really, to lay it out simply, you get that real-time processing, you're able to operate entirely offline, so if the network uh, connection back up to the cloud goes down but your local network's alive, you're completely fine, you're robust to that. It's completely simplified because of those Lambda functions that you can bring down onto the devices, so you have that management of your logic that actually drives the system down at the edge, and it actually helps reduce the cost of IoT applications because now you're not 
spending all this time developing secure channels between all of your devices. You're not spending all this time developing a system to manage the logic on the devices from the cloud. And you're not managing a whole system to ingest data back up in the cloud. It's one click, you go to the console, and there's a quick start guide. You download some code onto your Jetson, onto other devices that you have in the network, and you're ready to go. They're all wired up, they're all viewable from the console, and they're all manageable from the console. So really, the life cycle is this. You train in the cloud with AWS, where all your data already sits. You have that massive compute power driven by uh, NVIDIA's P3 instances and P2 instances. And then you do inference at the edge. So at the edge, you will save on bandwidth. You'll allow yourself to uh, essentially stick to the latency requirements that might be very stringent if you're in a robotics use case or a real-time processing use case. And you have that added uh, layer of privacy if you don't want data actually leaving the edge, but you still want to manage that system with AWS. And of course, AWS Greengrass is the sort of tool that we evangelize to actually manage all of this. Um, and on top of that, uh, AWS Greengrass works with the deep learning frameworks that have become really popular, like CAFE, as Matt showed, or MXNet, um, and TensorFlow. So what that means is you actually have access to these frameworks that provide simplified interfaces over CUDA and the hardware stack underneath you. So you get all the benefits of the ecosystems of these frameworks when you go with Greengrass because of its compatibility and pre-built integration with frameworks like MXNet. So these cycles are extremely simplified and really, really easy to program, easier than ever before now, with the services coming down from AWS to the edge. So edge inference is a new feature that uh, Andy announced yesterday, if you were at the keynote. And to double click on what it's really doing, uh, essentially it's providing one-of-a-kind GPU access on devices through Lambdas. So in your Python code that you write in Lambdas, you actually get access to GPUs that sit on the devices. And if you don't know what uh, the role of Lambda is in Greengrass, essentially what Greengrass allows you to do is write simplified scripts, Node.js scripts, Python scripts, and then package them up as Lambda functions and deploy them down onto the devices. So it's a really easy way to manage that sort of uh, logical flow. And from that, you, that Lambda function, you actually get GPU access now with this new feature. It has pre-built MXNet, so that means the code that you write doesn't have to be in pure CUDA. It can actually be in Python using the MXNet framework. Uh, we have other frameworks that will be coming as well. And what this essentially means is you get all the niceties of the Python interface, and you don't really have to dive into low-level device programming to get these things to run. And on top of that, you have the entire Lambda Blueprint marketplace. So you can take a lot of predefined Lambdas, predefined code, and get a quick start from that. So it really is easier than ever before to get started. And there are a whole bunch of resources that we have at AWS. So if you log into the IoT console or our deep learning console, AI console rather, um, we have a whole bunch of resources up there to help you get started. And NVIDIA as well has some resources that I'm going to hand it over to Jesse to give you a quick intro about. Thanks. 
So as Aaron was saying, we have a number of resources at NVIDIA that you can leverage um, to get started and progress with, with deep learning. So the Deep Learning Institute um, is a great place where there's tutorials, um, self-paced labs, even micro nano degrees offered through Udacity um, that you can learn the fundamental, use to learn the fundamentals of deep learning um, and also progress all the way to, uh, to a nano degree. Two days to a demo. This is something specific to Jetson and it's exactly what it sounds like. Uh, a um, skilled engineer, a clever engineer with nothing but a Jetson developer kit, some AWS credits in two days can go from having nothing to a trained neural network using your own data set to start, start exploring what's possible with the power of AI and deep learning. Inception is a program that NVIDIA offers for startups who are doing GPU accelerated artificial intelligence. Um, it offers a number of benefits including hardware discounts, access to NVIDIA's GPU and AI experts. Um, once you get to market, leverage through our global marketing and sales team and potentially an introduction to GPU Ventures, which is NVIDIA's uh, venture capital arm. And then GTC, of course, the GPU Technology Conference is NVIDIA's biggest GPU show of the year. If you want to find out about the latest research and work that is happening on AI accelerated with GPUs, GTC is the way to, is the place to, the place to do it. Uh, GTC this year is happening, I believe, at the end of March in Silicon Valley. If you haven't been before, it's a great conference. If you'd like to get started with Jetson, the Jetson Developer Kit retails for $599. And in fact, if you stop by our booth right over here on the show floor here in the Aria, like three doors down, I guess it's that way, three doors down, um, you can get a discount. We're running a show discount, get a coupon code there. You'll be able to get this for, I believe, $299. So please stop by, learn more about Jetson, and get a coupon code there. Guys, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for listening. Hope everybody has a great conference. <laughs>